I asked her to do it. She said yes, and then she looked at the passage and realized just how long it was. So um, we're grateful that she didn't look before she said yes, because uh, she might not have said yes. So thanks again, Katie, for doing that. Um, this week I had the um, opportunity to be driving along on uh, the Konana Highway, and I, as I was driving, uh, I saw something that um, caught my eye. It was sort of out of the corner of my eye. I was, of course, paying attention to every bit of traffic, driving defensively, 10 and 2, ready to go. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw a plastic bag, like a takeaway bag. And that plastic bag was sort of floating in the air uh, there as cars were kind of passing by. And it looked like it would kind of get get up and, and go further up and further up. And then all of a sudden, there wouldn't be any cars, and I would see it fall down, and it would get hit by a car, uh, get thrown under its tires, and then whip back up into the air, and it would kind of float there. So I obviously saw it a little bit from a distance, and so I was paying attention to it as I was getting to it, not aiming to hit it. I didn't want to do that, but I was watching it, and, and it, it did that a couple of different times. It seemed like it was going to get away, it seemed like it was going to get out, and then it would dive down, and it would get hit by another car. Uh, and I continued to drive past it. I didn't hit it. It didn't get hit by my car. But then as in my rearview mirror, I was able to see that it was still doing the same thing. And I feel like, and I think that sometimes in our own lives, we feel like that takeaway bag. There's a sense that um, life is going along and, and we're being lifted up and we think things are going to get better and, and it seems like things are going well. And then all of a sudden there's a word that's spoken to us or a situation that takes place or an expectation that's not met. And it feels like we've just been run over by a car. The interesting thing about it was the bag never tore. It, the bag never came apart. It, it didn't actually get ripped up by those tires. It, it was so light that it seemed to kind of go under the tire and, and keep moving. But I would dare say most of us have been battered and bruised by those things that have come along in our way. Most of us have felt them deeply and sometimes even physically. And so when we're talking about fear and loving in the age of COVID-19, when we're talking about anxiety and worry and over-concern, it is really easy for us to feel like that bag saying, if I could just get off the highway, if I could just get out of this constant um, wind tunnel that is bringing me up and down and up and down, if I could just get rid of it, then maybe life would be better. Then I could just be that thing sitting on the side of the road that nobody seems to bother. But what if I were to tell you that there might be a way for us not to shun our fear and worry and, anxi and anxiety, not to allow it to overcome us, but to embrace it instead of a bondage, uh, a tool for bondage, but a tool for our freedom. Pierce Taylor Hibbs has written a book, and in that book it's titled Struck Down But Not Destroyed, Living Faithfully with anxiety. And in it, he tells this story. He says, I recently was watching a CNN interview with the comedian Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert hosts The Late Show. Uh, he's been on The Daily Show. He's a pretty well-known comedian. And he says, and he was talking about the grief that he had working through uh, in comings to grips with the loss of his father and his two brothers as a child. And Anderson Cooper was the interviewer. And he asked him, something, uh, as he said elsewhere in a tragic event. He said, uh, what did you learn? And, and uh, Stephen Colbert said this, I've learned to love the things that I wish most 
had not happened. What punishments of God are not gifts? Amazed at this statement, he says, Cooper, Anderson Cooper said to him, you really believe that? And Colbert answered him deeply and beautifully, betraying years of maturity and coming, with, coming to grips with grief. He said, what do you get from loss? You get awareness of other people's loss, which always connects you with other persons, which allows you to love more deeply and to understand what it's like to be a human being. Pierce Hibbs goes on to say, I think most of us would say that having crippling battles with anxiety is something we wish most had not happened. We don't like it. We don't want it cracking the glass of comfort enveloping our little lives. But because we have it, because we suffer with anxiety, we can connect with others and love them more deeply. Anxiety makes us feel less human but it has the potential to make us be more human. The passage that we are in is Romans 8, and I I want you just to go down to verse 28, and it says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. When we hear that and when we read it, our hearts and our minds probably do a little bit of subjective editing. We probably, in our minds, go, it really doesn't mean all things. It means only the good things. Like God works together in all good things, not all things. It can't possibly mean all things. But when we see this passage, when we are reading it deeply and how Paul was intending it to be written and how God was meaning for it to be seen, it in fact is meaning all things work together for good. That God himself takes all things and brings them to be tools to bring sanctification into our life, to bring growth into our life, to bring understanding into our life so that we can see God's great picture. And yes, that means even our over-concern and our worry and our anxiety can be something that God can use and is something that God can work through to be a tool for freedom for us. And so here we sit in a place of recognition that all things work together for good to those who love God. Now, real quickly, we need to say that's a very specific thing, those who love God. That's not those that just have a knowledge of God. That's not those that just have a belief of God. That's those who have a love of God. Those who are fully in, who have received the blessing of who God is. That they have seen and heard and believed the words that Jesus has said, that He is the way, the truth, and the life. That in Him is life, and life better than you've ever dreamed. That we have fallen deeply and madly and passionately in love with the Creator of the universe, who that before the foundation of the world has chosen us picked us out and said i love you i will pursue you with a steadfast love and so we recognize that and so we love them so it's not just an ascent of knowledge it is a giving over why is that important for us to understand well because what happens before that verse and what happens after that verse is all wrapped up in that idea of this love of god 
That love of God springs from a recognition of who He is and who we are in Him. That's the reason why just a little bit earlier Paul says, For I consider these sufferings of the present time are not worthy comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. For creation waits eagerly longing to be for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that it, creation itself will be set free from the bondage of corruption at the revealing of the children of God. It goes on to tell us that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So the first thing for us to be able to move anxiety from being a tool of bondage to a tool of of freedom, the first thing is that we need to know that we have help in doing it. That it's not something that we can do on our own, which means we have to be those who love God. Because in our love for God, then we trust God. In our love for who He is and His steadfast love, then we trust Him. And in trusting Him, we know that He has good for us. And we can't actually even say it, it says. He says the Spirit prays on our behalf, intercedes for us, says the things that we can't say. I know many of you have been in a place of worry and anxiety and pain and suffering where you didn't even have words to, to verbalize what was going on in your heart, the concerns that were overwhelming you and rushing in. What this is telling us is that one of the ways that God works good for us is that beforehand He has set Holy Spirit out to intercede for us those words we don't even know how to say. That we don't have to worry, we don't have to get caught up in, am I saying the right things to God so that He can come and help me? We only have to groan. We only have to say, I have no idea what to say to you, Father. I don't even know because the Holy Spirit himself is already in the process of interceding for us, going to the Father saying, Lee doesn't know how to say this. Lee doesn't know how to bring this to you. But I do because I'm walking with him because you have placed me there to do this. I'm his comfort and his counselor. But I'm bringing this to you, Father, so that you know he desperately needs your intervention. He desperately needs you to, to hear what he doesn't even know that he needs to say. And so the first way that we move uh, from being in bondage with anxiety to freedom is we cry out and we release. We wait and know that the Holy Spirit is crying out for us as well. There's nothing greater than that. But the second thing that we need to know is that because we can't do it on our own, that means we need to have Holy Spirit and the Father molding us. Pierce Taylor Hibbs in his book that struck down by anxiety says this, it's a recognition of our weakness that's important. Our weakness itself is the water that softens us so that God's potter's hands can push and bend us into the shape of Christ. That pushing and bending is going to happen one step at a time. Tim Keller in his commentary on this says, The same sun in its heat that melts wax is the same sun that in its heat will harden clay. What that's saying to us is this, that when we encounter hardship, our love for God causes us to be that soft wax. It is the water that makes our clay become moldable to the Father. It's in our weakness and in our anxiety that we can move away from thinking we've got to do it all. See, that's where worry springs from. It's that over-concern that the plans aren't going to work out, that they're not going to go the way that I want them to go, that I've got to be actively involved in making this happen. 
But if we sit back and we rest knowing that the Father is molding and shaping us, then we can even see our anxiety as something that God uses to remind us that we aren't in control. (laughs) That there isn't anything that we can do sometimes. And in those moments, while it is desperate for us to gain control, if we can just move and to a place of trusting the Father to mold us into it, allowing the sun beating down on us not to harden our hearts, but to make it soft and pliable to the Father so that He can move it, then we can move from being in bondage to freedom. But why is that important? It's important for us then because we see who we really are. You see that it works all good in all things. Why? To those who are called according to God's purpose. And what is God's purpose for our life? God's purpose for our life is to bring glory and honor to Him. God's purpose in our life is to enjoy a relationship with Him. To enjoy a relationship with ourselves and with all others and the place that he's put us. That's God's purpose in our life. And it tells us that that purpose wasn't just come off on the fly. That it wasn't just done as a plan B or a plan C. That it in fact was done before the foundations of the world. That God foreknew us and he predestined us to conform us into Jesus. That we are the, those that are following after him. That we are predestined and that we are called and we are justified In Him, that brings glory. And so we recognize who we are, that our purpose is to bring Him glory and to revel in enjoyment to His steadfast love. One of the reasons why anxiety or worry becomes that place of bondage is because we have the wrong idea of what our life should be. Too often we believe that our life should be about our fulfillment, our happiness, our joy. But not to go back and and quote the Princess Bride, which I think I've done before in this sermon, but again, to quote the Princess Bride, life is pain. There is things that happen to us that bring pain, that our fulfillment is only found in knowing who we really are. And who we really are are those who are called by God. And in our love for Him, we receive all good things coming no matter where they come from. You see, when we think that our life is only about our fulfillment or our happiness, then we will be sadly disappointed. And in that disappointment, we will begin to be over-concerned and begin to worry and have anxiety because things aren't going the way I want them to go. But when we recognize who we are called by God for His purpose. And that purpose is to revel in His steadfast love, to celebrate and live within it. Then we don't need to be over-concerned. We don't need to be worried anymore because God has all good things for us. That's the reason why he goes on in this passage and says, what's the most important thing? What is it then, shall we say to these things, that you're called, that you're loved, that all things work together for, those, for the good of those who love God? It tells us this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That no matter what is going on, God is for us. He did not spare His own Son, but gave it to us. 
Who shall bring any charge against us? No one. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So then he asked, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? He says, no, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's all things. (laughs) Right? It goes back to verse 28. That's all things. Life, death, angels, demons, rulers, present, past, powers, depths, tribulations, all things in all creations. Nothing is. Why does all things work to good to those who love God? Because we cannot be separated from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He has poured it out completely on us. And so we rest knowing that God moves. And so we take our anxiety. And practically, when we begin to feel that over-concern coming up, when we begin to feel worry coming and our eyes shifting off of seeing the glory of God and enjoying and reveling in His steadfast love, and we begin to look at the, the problems of the world, the principalities, the powers, the rulers, death, life, all the things that can come to us when we begin to look that way and we begin to become over-concerned. Practically, we should not fear it. We should not say, I've got to get that out of my life. But we should say, thank you, Lord, for bringing that up, for allowing my heart to become over-concerned so that I can remember who you are, so that I can remember who I am in you, And so that I can grab hold of the faith that you give me in order to believe and know that my love for you makes all things good. That we don't hesitate to see it as God's blessing. Uh, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity relates this story. He was attempting to tell a a young Christian and help him come to terms with the ongoing suffering that is part of the Christian life. Hopefully that's not a surprise to you, that there is suffering ongoing in the Christian life. And he says this, That is why we must not be surprised if we are in for a rough time. When a man turns to Christ and seems to be getting on pretty well in the sense that some of his bad habits are now corrected, He often feels that it would now be natural if things went fairly smoothly for him. And when troubles come along, illness, money troubles, new kinds of temptations, he is disappointed. These things he feels might have been necessary to rouse him, to make him to repent in those bad old days. But why now? Because God is forcing him on or up to a higher level putting him into situations where he will have to be very much braver or more patient or more loving than he ever dreamed of being able to be before. It seems to us all as unnecessary, but that is because we have not yet had the slightest notion of the tremendous thing he means to make 
of us. Imagine yourself as a living house. And God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what He is doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. And you knew that those were jobs that needed doing, and so you were not surprised by those. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abnormally, and it does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing on a new wing here and putting on an extra floor there. Running up towers and making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace that he intends to come and live in himself. When we begin to see our anxiety and our concern and our suffering as those tools that God is using to knock us about, to take out a wall, to expand a place for Him to reside even more deeply into our lives, to move us from being just on the outside of who Christ is, but being moved deeply into who Christ is, then we can begin to move and see anxiety as a tool for freedom for us. Let me pray for us. Father, You are good. And all you do is good. And we know there are those here that because of their biology and because of the chemical uh, reactions in their brain and because of emotions, their anxiety comes and goes like, like a wildfire. And so, Father, we come to you right now and we ask that you put that wildfire out, that you come in and you, you move miraculously. We want to thank you for medications and doctors and counselors who can help us walk through those places. And we never want to uh, put down or belittle the idea that anxiety is real and that it is overwhelming. But Father, in your good grace, can we move from a place of having our overconcern overtake our life, but be a place where it can bring freedom in you, where we recognize the goodness of who you are and how you have placed us in yourself and how you see us as your palace, the place that you, the mighty King, wants to live. Father, we ask that if there are any words that I've spoken today that are not your words, that they'll burn up and go away. But if there are words that are yours, that they will take root in our hearts so that we can bring glory and honor to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand up and and sing in response to these words?